Vach, everybody. It's Mose uh, Shabbos of Shabbos Shuvah. And uh, being that I wasn't able to say the Shabbos Shuvah Drasha today, uh, this afternoon, so we'll uh, make a recording uh, tonight and uh, send it out. And that way, everybody will be able to uh, to listen to the Shabbos Shuvah Drasha at uh, their convenience, either watch or listen to it, whatever is, uh, whatever is, uh, is best for them. So obviously the uh, the topic this year is going to be is going to be tshuva, and I would like to present both in this first video um, the halacha part of it, as well as uh, the next video, which is more of the agarata, uh, a new perspective on tshuva, one which, uh, as you know, I've been uh, working on tshuva, trying to understand the uh, the dynamics of tshuva and the mechanics of tshuva, and how exactly uh, tshuva uh, works and what the what what it does. And I would like to present to you where I'm holding uh, this year as far as my understanding of, uh, of tshuva. So we're going to begin with uh, a pasuk in Eicha. Pasuk in Eicha is really going to be our starting point for this, uh, for this whole discussion. And you see it's here, the, uh, the first source, which is, uh, should be on the screen in front of you. It's per Gimel pasuk mem in Eicha. It says, that we're going to go ahead and we're going to search and examine our ways and turn back to, uh, to Hashem. And the question is, what exactly is this, uh, this search? We understand that there are certain mechanics of tshuva, certain steps that which one has to go through. It could be three steps, it could be four steps, depending on which Rishon you look at. But the basic idea, what we're going to use is just three, three basic steps. You're going to have harata, that's going to be regret for the sin which was done. Some people add in aziva sachet that you have to stop the, uh, the sin. And then you have to do vidu, you have to confess the fact that you did commit that avera, whatever that avera happens to be. And then the third step is going to be, the step having to do with uh, Kabbalah al-Asid is going to be the commitment to regarding the future. So uh, when I know what averas I've done, so I go through those three steps. I regret it, harata, I uh, say vidui, I confess. And step three is going to be, I have to go ahead and I have to make a commitment towards the future. Where exactly does this nach pesadra Where exactly does this research come in come into play? Where I have to start searching for uh, for my sins? Uh, seemingly, I should be able to just uh, whatever sins come to mind, I'll do tshuva on them. Why do I have to go through a process of searching for those particular averus? So, in order to uh, to answer that, we're going to start with a fascinating thing from davening more specifically from the uh, section of Tachnum, the long Tachnum, which we say on Monday and Thursday. And we're going to grab two particular lines from that. And this is really going to be our starting point to be able to understand what the role of this, uh, this search into our behavior, what role that is going to, uh, to play. So here, the first thing is, this is in the second to last paragraph before we put our heads down in the, uh, the long uh, Tachnum. So here, the line by itself is fascinating. So it begins, So that's, that's the exact words which we have in the Pasuk above. We're going to search our ways and we're going to examine. And we're going to repent. That's the next word. Now in the Pasuk, if you look at this first line, it says, Anashem, we're going to repent all the way until Hashem. Here, instead, the author went ahead and chose to deviate from the conclusion of the Pasuk. And instead he says, And we're going to return to you. Why are we going to return to you? 
for, now this is completely unscripted. This has nothing to do with the Pasuk. It says, Ki Because your hand is out, is outstretched in order to accept those people who have done tshuva. In the, the, uh, the author over here is creating an imagery. There's an image of Hashem reaching out his hand, reaching out his open hand and saying that he is going to be prepared. His right hand is open to go ahead and prepared to accept us for our tshuva. So that's a beautiful image. We feel bad that we have committed whatever, whatever uh, veras we have committed. We want to come back to, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We realize that the Averas have created this distance between Hashem and us, and that we're no longer as close as we are supposed to be. We're not attached as strongly as, as, we, as we should. And therefore, we say that we are going to go ahead and do our part, and we're going to research and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to stick out his hand and he's going to open it. He's going to reach out with his open hand and he's going to accept us. Beautiful imagery, which, uh, which the author is, is sharing with us. Then we go to the opening of the last paragraph of the long Tachnun, the last of those paragraphs. It gives a different image. It says, HaPoseach Yad B'Tshuva L'Kabel Poshim V'Chatoim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu opens, open, opens his hand to Tshuva to accept the different types of sinners. And here, the imagery is different. Here, the imagery isn't HaKadosh Baruch Hu reaching out with an open hand, but rather the imagery over here is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hand is really closed. And even though his hand is closed, he's going to open it. He's going to open up his hand in order to go ahead and to accept the, uh, the sinners. So we have these two different images which are going on. One hand on the, the, the previous, the original Pasuk says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hand, his right hand is outstretched and it's open. And then in the other image, we have HaKadosh Baruch Hu beginning with a closed hand and he's going to open it up. HaPoseach Yad, he's going to open up his hand in order to accept the, uh, the sinners. And the question is, what exactly is the difference in those two images about whether Hashem's hand is outstretched and it's already open or whether or not HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to go ahead and open his hands. And for our purposes, what are we striving for? What are we trying to, uh, to accomplish in the tshuva process? Are we expecting to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hand open already? Or do we want him to open our hand? And as we said, what's the difference between whether Hashem's hand was already open or whether it's necessary for him to go ahead and open it at this point? So in order to understand this, so then we have to take another step. And we have to look at First thing is going to be how Rabbeinu Yonah, who wrote one of the uh, most authoritative works on Shuva called Shari Shuva. So we have to go ahead and explore. He has a, a long, long analysis about uh, the Shuva the process and all the different steps and different uh, mechanics and what one needs to think about in the approach which you have. And he actually puts together towards the beginning in the first Shar, in the first unit of, uh, of this work, so he puts together a number of ikarin, a number of fundamental principles of tshuva. And we're going to jump in it with ikar yud aleph, which is what you have on the sheet on the screen in front of you. Ha ikar yud aleph, chipos derachav. So the 11th one is the 11th principle is to go ahead and examine one's ways. What's the basis of that? How do you know you have to examine your ways? Shenemra, the Pasuk says, Kenyan Shenemra, like the Pasuk says, Nachba, that's the Pasuk and Echel we began with, Nachba Sadrachin Venachkor Venashuva Hashem, that we're going to go ahead and let us search and examine our ways so that we could go ahead and return to Hashem. Then Rabbeinu Yon explains, Vyasu Kain Legimodvarim. 
So there's three reasons why, there's three advantages why we would go ahead and we would do this type of research. We would do this type of examination, or let's call it reflection. And that is, ha'echad, is, one is a very fundamental, practical consideration. That we want to make sure that we recall all of the various sins which we have committed, so that we can ultimately confess for those sins. What's going on, what Rabbeinu Yonah is telling us over here is that it may be that over the course of the year, we've committed so many Averas that we don't know which ones they are. We may forget that back last year on Sukkah's time, I may have eaten outside of the Sukkah, or sometime during Mar Cheshvan, I may have spoken Lashon Hara, I may have spoken negatively about something, or I may have missed Mantriya Shema, or I may have fallen asleep and I didn't have it all together. There's all sorts of, all sorts of things which we may have done long ago, and therefore, it's necessary to reflect very seriously to go ahead and research and examine our ways to the best of our ability to make sure that we are comprehensive in terms of knowing what sins we have committed so that we'll be able to do tshuva on all of them and we won't miss anything. So that's one element that Rabbeinu Yonah identifies. Then he goes on and he says, we're going to skip the second one because it's not really germane, for, uh, for our discussion tonight. And then he says, Vashlishi, and this is going to be more relevant, not so much for this halacha piece, which, we, which we're doing now, but it will come back in, the, uh, in the, the second half of this year, in the second video of this year. Shlishi is the third uh, advantage of doing this research and reflection. Is Even though a person has accepted upon himself that he's going to abandon that sin. The person says, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm committed this time. I know that I've said this many times in the past, but this time I'm really serious. I'm not going to commit this sin anymore. So you need to go ahead and recall all the times that you've committed the Aveir. Why? So it's essential, imperative to know what sins you've already committed. Why? Kedei lasos behem gedarn. Because if you're going to successfully not, if you're going to make sure that you don't commit these Averas in the future again, so you have to make sure that you put in various uh, barricades and various protective measures, which are going to assure that you don't go ahead and commit this Avera again. Because, And you have to make sure that you're carefully guarded. You carefully guard your soul, your precious soul, the Neshama, from the ambush of the Yitzhahara. Why is it so essential to be so cautious and so uh, so mindful of the ambush which the Yitzhahara is going to lay for you regarding these Averas which you're trying to do tshuva for? Because your soul is already, has a tendency toward them, is already drawn towards them in a certain in, in a certain uh, uh, perspective, you're prone to go ahead and commit the Aveira again. Why? Because you've already treated them light in your eyes when you went ahead and you committed an ave- this Aveira in the first place. So being that you already got past that impediment of knowing that this is an Aveira and you did it, so that means you've, it's already been cheapened in your eyes. And the Sahara has already taken control, a certain amount of control over them, over you regarding these Averas, and it becomes much more difficult to do battle and to resist that Avera in the future. And furthermore, he says, 
as a result of these Averas, committing these Averas, so one's soul is ill, is not well, is not healthy as a result of that. It's in a weakened position. And everybody knows that when a person is sick and they're trying to become healthy, when a person who is ill is trying to recover, so you have to be very careful, very careful with your health on a number of different accounts, in order that your illness should not return. So here also, Rabbeinu Yonah says that one of the reasons that you're going to have to go ahead and you're going to have to search and you're going to have to try and make sure that you find, identify all of the Averas is not just in order to be comprehensive, in order to make sure that you properly are misvada, that you properly confess and identify and do tshuva for all of the different Averas which, which were committed. But on top of that, if you're actually going to be successful at this tshuva process, and you're going to be successful in not committing this Avera or these Averas ever again, so you're going to have to put up whatever barriers and whatever protections and whatever fences in, uh, in between you and that Avera to make sure that you don't get too close and you don't fall into that trap again, because you can be certain that just beyond that getter, just beyond that barricade, that's where you're going to find the Eitzahar, that's where you're going to find the ambush which is waiting for you. And if you're going to protect yourself and your soul from doing this again, you have to make sure that you are able to keep yourself away from getting too close and away from that temptation, because if you get too close to that temptation, being that you've already succumbed to that, that temptation in the past and you've committed that Avera, so it's very easy to rationalize the Avera once again. And being that it's already easy, so easy to rationalize the Avera, being that one has already committed that Avera, so that's why you have to be extra cautious. And that's the second reason which Rabbeinu Yona identifies as why it's important to go ahead and do this research. In which is very helpful to us. It's creating a picture for us, which we need to have in terms of the comprehensiveness of our tshuva approach, but it still doesn't get to the core of what exactly is going on in terms of this research and what am I looking for and what am I trying to accomplish? And that remains a question which we are, uh, which we are trying to figure out at this point in, uh, from a halachic perspective, what am I searching for? And what are those two different images which we need to get back to which is Hashem's open hand versus Hashem's outstretched hand. So we're going to take the next step over here. The next step is going to be a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. We're in Rosh Hashanah, Tez Zayin Amabes, which also presents us with a couple of fascinating ideas, which are a topic for themselves, but we're going to try and incorporate that into what we're, uh, the, the thought which we're developing uh, tonight. So here you have, Amar Yitzhak, Rabbi Yitzhak says, so there are four things which are going to rip up the gzardin of a person. So what the Gemara is talking about, in a simple level, from a simple understanding of the Gemara, Rabbi Yitzhak is addressing the following case. And that is, a person has already committed Averas, a person did not do tshuva as of yet for those Averas, and as a result of that, the person is subject to, we're just going to refer to it very simply, as Onesh. The person deserves some sort of punishment, some sort of response, some sort of consequence for the Averas which were committed, and that those Averas are characterized as a gzardin. That's going to be a decree of judgment from God that a person is going to have to experience whatever suffering, whatever difficulty, whatever challenge, whatever that, that onish is going to be. A person is a subject to that because the gzardin 
the evil decree, the judgment, the, the verdict has already been issued. But there's four things, the Gemara says, Rabbi Yitzhak says, four things that a person could do that will be mekarea, that's going to destroy that, that will exonerate a person, that will free a person, that will, in a sense, expunge him from having to experience those difficult things. So what are those things which a person can do in order to get rid of that gizar din? So the first one is tzedakah. So giving tzedakah, that's one way of being able to, uh, to get rid of the, uh, the gizar din. Tzaka, the second one is to cry out, to cry out in prayer, in tefillah. So davening is another one, shuvo, tefillah, ut So two of them are already covered by Rabbi Yitzhak. Now we know where that comes from. And now it's numbers three and four, which I really want to focus our attention on. And they are shinwe Hashem, if you change your name. So if your name was Ruvain, and now you go by the name Shimon. So that somehow is going to be able to create, that's going to destroy the Gzardin. The, uh, the, the, the verdict in the decree. And the last one is Shinoi Maisa. Shinoi Maisa, as we're going to see, this is the most fascinating at all, because it says that you're going to go ahead and you're going to change your behavior. So what exactly does that mean? What does Rabbi Yitzhak mean when he says a change in behavior is somehow going to cause a, a destruction of the Gzardin? It's going to nullify the Gzardin, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the verdict, the, uh, the, the decree of, of judgment. Why should the decree of judgment be, uh, be ripped up? Should that be uh, uh, destroyed just because a person went ahead and changed his behavior? You'll note, Rabbi Yitzhak didn't say you have to do tshuva. He didn't say that you're going through the tshuva process necessarily. Maybe he didn't exclude it, but he certainly didn't say that tshuva is going to be something. Somehow, if you change your name, that's number three, or if you change your behavior, that's going to be a reason why the gzardin the decree, the verdict, and that the decree of judgment is no longer going to be relevant as far as you are concerned, and that will uh, you won't have to experience whatever that Gzar Din had in store for you. But it sounds like we're talking about post-Avera, person didn't do tshuva, and then these four things, the, uh, the tzedakah, the davening, changing your name, changing your behavior, any one of those things, or maybe all four of those things together, are going to be able to create a circumstance where the gzar din, the verdict for, the, uh, for a person, for the averas which were done, is no longer going to be relevant. Now, what's interesting about this Gemara, besides the fascinating Gemara in and of itself, but it's interesting to see how the Rambam goes ahead and characterizes this. And the Rambam begins, before, as he introduces this Gemara, he says, Midarke hachuva. So he puts this in terms of a, a tshuva approach. Yeah, part of the path in order to be able to do tshuva, to do what, to do what, to repent, is going to be lios, is lios hashav, Hashem So number one is, he's changed around the order. He says the first thing is to cry out to Hashem in, with cries, in supplications. So the first thing that you're trying to do is you're going to go ahead and you're going to be davening. This is the first one. And then number two is Voset Kefi Koho. You're going to go ahead and you are going to give tzedakah to your ability. So the first two are basically covered. The Rambam is just saying that these are things which are going to be part of the tshuva process. Then he adds in, Now suddenly the Rambam is giving us a tremendous amount of commentary to this next one. He says the next one is, you're distancing yourself from the chait, from the sin which was committed, umeshana shemo, 
and you go ahead and you are changing your name. And what is the change of name? What does that signify? What does that uh, represent? He says, I'm a different person, and I'm no longer that person who committed those Averas. In other words, that by changing one's name, one is saying that I have experienced, I've gone through a fundamental change of who I am, and I'm no longer that person. The person who committed those Averas, and the person for whom the Gzardin was appropriate, that's a different person, that's not me. And the evidence of that, the fact that I am different, and now remember, you didn't do any change of your behavior yet. All you're saying is, or I shouldn't say, you're, you're, you're distancing yourself from that, you haven't improved your behavior, but you're distancing yourself from that, you're identifying yourself with a different name, and as a result of that, you can honestly say and declare, that's not me, that's a different person, it's no longer relevant to me, that person may still be subject to the Gzardin, but I, the new me, I am no longer subject to that Gzardin, and that's no longer, no longer relevant. And then with that understanding of number three, then the Rambam goes on to explain number four, and that is, Umeshana Masav Kula Latova, Uluderach Yeshar Vigola Mimkomo. He says, number four is, you're going to change your behavior entirely to good. Whatever bad things you are doing now, it's a complete makeover, complete changeover in terms of your behavior. Your behavior is now going to be upgraded, upgraded it's going to be transformed to something which is good. Uluderach Yeshar, to a straight path, Vigola Mimkomo, and you're going to be exiled from your place. And the reason why that's important, this idea of exile is, Shagolus Mechaperas Avon, because Golus, exile in and of itself, the value of, being, of experiencing exile is that it almost by definition is going to create kapara. Why? Because the nature of, uh, of exile is it causes a person to be submissive. When you're on your home court, when you're feeling comfortable in where you are, so that allows a person to be bold. It allows a person, gives a person confidence. It allows a, per, it allows a person perhaps even to be defiant because you know you always have the safety of home. So if you know behind you is the safety of home, you have that home, uh, that, that, that sense of comfort, that sense of safety and that, safe, uh, that sense of security. So that's going to go ahead and allow you to do things which if you were a little bit nervous about your surroundings because it's unfamiliar, you wouldn't be as bold and you wouldn't be as confident and you wouldn't be as defined. So Gullus, the advantage of Gullus, the advantage of exile is it puts you into a different place. And when you're in a different place, once again, you're no longer going to have the same attitude towards your behavior as you would if you were home. And as a result of that, that's going to create this fundamental change in who a person is and their, their behavior. And then here also, the Shinoi Maisa, the way the Rambam understands it is that you're changing yourself on this fundamental level so that you're no longer the same person who was there, who did those Averas, because you've now transformed your behavior in this very fundamental way. And therefore the Gzardin, the verdict in the decree for judgment, which is originally issued, is no longer relevant to this new location, to this new place where you are, because it's a, it's a completely different circumstance. Now, this idea, understanding the way the Rambam explains this idea of Shinui Hashem in Shinui Maisa, so this now begins to give us tremendous insight into what we began with from the, uh, from the outset. That difference, if you remember, 
which we talked about, the difference in prayer in terms of what we say in Tachlun, Nach on the one hand, that one imagery of Hashem's outstretched hand to accept those who are going to do tshuva, and then where his hand is already open and he's just stretching it out with the open hand already. And then the second one of haposech yad b'tshuva, where Gash Baruch is going to open up his hand. His hand starts out closed as if he's resistant, as if he's not interested in the tshuva. But then in order, in an effort to accept those people who wish to do tshuva, HaKash Baruch will open up his hand. So what exactly are the, uh, is going on over here? So a footner, of Yitzhak Kutner, in, uh, in Pachad Yitzhak, in the Rashimos, in the, uh, the section at the very end of his, uh, the volume on Rosh Hashanah, so he talks about, he brings us uh, uh, back to Rebbeinu Yonah a little bit, and he talks about how somebody who studied the halachas of Lashon Hara, so they are fully aware that there is a difference between a person who's a mesaper Lashon Hara, somebody who speaks Lashon Hara, somebody who on occasion will, will gossip about other person, uh, about another person. And certainly any Lashon Hara is a terrible, terrible law. Uh, their gossiping is, uh, is very, very bad. But Chazal draw a very clear distinction between somebody who's a mesaper, somebody who's talking Lashon Hara, and somebody who's crossed the line. It is a Baal Lashon Hara. Baal Lashon Hara means that that's now how they are defined by that particular by that particular trait. It's no longer something that they do on occasion. Most of us may end up, uh, unfortunately, speaking Lashon Hara, gossiping about other people. And as bad as that is, it's nowhere near as bad. Most of the time, the Chazal speak with such strong negative terminology about somebody who speaks Lashon Hara. They're not talking about a Mesaper Lashon Hara. They're talking about somebody who's a Baal Lashon Hara. That that's now the define. That's one of the defining characteristics of who they are. I'm sure everybody uh, knows somebody who uh, is a Baal Lashon Hara, a person who has their nose in everybody else's business and is going literally, Chazal say, the Rechilos, that they're like a peddler. They take a story from this one and they share it with a, a, a second person and that person gives them some more Lashon Hara, which they share with a third person and then they get something from that third person, they go back to the first person and they're just running around all the time yentaing away about everybody else's business involved in the, is, is sharing everybody else's uh, private business, just gossiping, 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 such that when somebody asks, or somebody mentions that person's name, the first thing that you think about them is they're a gossiper. You may not say that aloud, you shouldn't say that aloud, because that itself would be, uh, would, would likely be Lashon Hara, but the Baal Lashon Hara is somebody who is, that becomes a defining characteristic of who they are. And Rafutner uses that distinction between a Mesaper Lashon Hara, somebody who simply speaks Lashon Hara, and a Baal Lashon Hara, and somebody who, from whom that has become a fundamental definition of who they are as a Lashon Hara speaker. So Rafutner use, uh, so uses that to also differentiate between somebody who is a Shav, somebody who is going through the motions, the mechanics of Tshuva, and somebody who is a Baal Tshuva. What's the difference between somebody who is a shav, somebody who's doing tshuva, and somebody who has is a baal tshuva? So it's the exact same distinction. 
A person who's a shav, a person who is a repenter, somebody who's going through the motions of repentance. So he is going to go ahead and he's going to carefully study the works of the Rambam. He's going to go ahead and carefully study the Chovas Alavavos. He's going to carefully study Rabbeinu Yonah Shari Tshuva. And he's going to identify all the different steps and all the mechanics involved in doing Tshuva to make sure that he does a proper Tshuva. He wants to make sure, cross all the T's, dot all the I's, make sure that you're as thorough as you can in terms of your Tshuva, because he's taking it seriously. He wants to make sure that when he does his Tshuva, that it will be done properly and that he will be forgiven for those, those sins. So that's a person who's very much focused on the behavior. He's going to go through the behavior of doing tshuva because that's the goal. The goal is that uh, there's a, a, a long list of things that you need to do between Chodesh Elo and Chodesh Tishrei. You're going to have to start saying Ladavid. You go, go ahead and you check that off on your, uh, your to-do list. You have to go ahead and you say Slichos. Check, I've done that. You have to hear Shofar and Rosh Hashanah. Check, I've done that. You have to fast on Yom Kippur. Check, you have to buy a lula vanessa. Check, you have to build a sukkah. Check, all the different things which I need to do. Check, 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 check. Make sure that everything complies with halacha. Tshuva is one of those things. It's the, tis the season of tshuva. And therefore, a shav is a person who's focused on making sure to follow the details of what's involved in tshuva. Make sure that the mechanics are working and it's going to be effective. And in doing so, he's going to secure for himself forgiveness because HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgives those who go ahead and do a proper tshuva. That's a shove. That's not the same thing, however, as a person who is a Baal tshuva. A Baal tshuva is somebody for whom is going to experience this Shinui Maisa, which the Rambam really talks about. And this is a person who's not simply looking to make sure that he goes through every different step of tshuva, as enumerated by the Rishonim, not simply going to suffice with charata, regret, vidui, which is a confession, kabbalah la'asid, make a commitment towards the future, azivas tachet, for those who count that, abandoning the sin altogether. It's not enough to go through this. The Baal Tshuva is a person who wants to experience a fundamental change in who he is. He recognizes that the way he's been living until now, it's his lifestyle, as it were, which has led him to all of those sins. And therefore, in order to be able to affect a real change, in order for tshuva to be something which is transformative in terms of the essence of who he is, in terms of the, 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 uh, the core of who he is, it's not enough simply to go through the three or four steps of tshuva. He wants a fundamental change, one which is going to transform him on a core level. And that is something which is a much higher level, obviously, than a person who is simply going to be satisfied with being a shav, somebody who's simply satisfied with, uh, with going through the, the, through the mechanics of it. And now that we know that there are these two different uh, models, which we have, two different approaches, which we have to tshuva, someone who is a shav, somebody who's going through the mechanics, and somebody who is the baal tshuva, somebody who's seeking to go ahead and transform on a fundamental basis, now we can begin to understand a little bit about why it is that we have those two different images which we talked about at the outset as identified by the author of Tachman. So remember, we have two different things. We have one is that, uh, 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 now let me pull it up. We have Nach Nach Korah. That we're going to go ahead and research and uh, that your hand is outstretched in order to accept those who do tshuva. This idea of 
the Hashem's hand being outstretched, and it's already open. He doesn't need, he's not going from a closed hand to an open hand. We're talking about his hand is already open in order to accept our tshuva. We're talking about that's going to be relevant, like it says at the beginning, this is a person who's going to research his background. He's going to not just identify, enumerate the sins onto a, uh, a list, not put them into an Excel file and say, I did shuva for this, I did shuva for that, I did shuva for that, and go down list and make sure that his vidui is going to be appropriate for each one of the listed sins, the enumerated sins. The person that we're talking about over here for whom Hashem's hand is already open and outstretched, that's the person that's the person who's the Baal shuva. That's a person who's looking to, for a complete transformation of who he is, recognizing that the approach he's taken until now has to a large degree led him to the sins which he has committed. And if he's going to be thorough and if he's going to be comprehensive in terms of doing a full and complete tshuva, one which is going to create, put around him the necessary barriers which are going to truly insulate him from getting too close to those averas again, so he needs to be That's the person who needs to research and the person who has to contemplate and the person who's going to have to reflect very deeply about their behavior until now and understand how those previous behaviors have led him to his sin. And that's going to create in him, like Rabbi Yitzchak says in the Gemara and like the Rambam says, that's going to allow him to create that shinoi maisa, where he's going to change his behavior on a fundamental level such a person is going to be able to achieve their tshuva because it's not simply something which is being done, it's something which is transformative. And that's the But on the other hand, the other pasuk which we say, we say, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu opens his hands for tshuva, that line where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to have to open up his hand, that is referring to a person who is a shav. A person who's just looking to do the mitzvah of tshuva, a person who's just looking to make sure to cross his T's and to dot his I's and to make sure I did the charata, which was necessary, I did the vidui, which was necessary, and I did my kabbalah la'asid in the aziva sachet, I did all the steps necessary for tshuva. So Gosh Baruch Hu says, good, I'm happy you're doing tshuva. I'm happy you're going through the process. But since you haven't changed on a fundamental level, there's a bit of hesitancy on Hashem's part to go ahead and accept that tshuva. So he starts off with that closed hand, but since HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves Klai Yisrael so dearly, and wants nothing more than for Klai Yisrael to repent and to change it to be better, HaPoseach Tshuva. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu will open up his hand and say, yeah, yeah, I'll accept you. I'm going to accept the Tshuva which you did, and I will forgive you, and you'll have the benefit of, of all of that. But probably in the back of Hashem's mind, he says, and I'll see you again next year. Because in all likelihood, if we're a shove, rather than a Baal Tshuva, the, the Tshuva is not going to be as comprehensive. We're not going to put the, the thickness of insulation which we need around us in order to make sure that we don't commit that sin, uh, uh, that those Averas again, because we didn't contemplate and we didn't reflect deeply enough on why we were doing it or what lifestyles we were living, which led us to those Averas, so that we should be able to come a Baal Tshuva. And as a result of that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to, he'll take the closed hand because we haven't really changed on a fundamental level, but he'll open it up. He'll open it up because he's a loving God and he's a caring God and wants nothing more than for us to be able to do tshuva and to be able to reconnect. And therefore he's going to open up his hand for those people who are shavim, those people who are repenting 
even if they did not yet become the Baal Tshuva, they have not become gone through this transformative experience of changing themselves on this fundamental level. And then Rafutner takes it one last step. And that is, he says that there's two, two different descriptions of Hashem accepting our tshuva in the Yud Gimel Midos of Rachamim. In the Yud Gimel Midos of Rachamim, uh, as you all know, we say Hashem Hashem, the name of Hashem, Yud Ke Vav Ke. So Chazal explained that the first time we say Hashem's name is the original creation, the name of Hashem, Yud Ke Vav Ke, is the name Hashem used in order to create the universe. So first, HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates an entire universe in order for mankind to exist, in order for mankind to flourish, to follow the will of God, to bring the world to its intended state of perfection. And then as soon as we sin, so really what should happen is the world should collapse upon itself. It should just collapse upon itself because there's no purpose anymore once we've gone ahead and we've used the world, not for God's sake, not elokim chayim, but we use it in a selfish way for ourselves. So then there's no purpose in the universe. The universe only serves a function if it's going to bring uh, glory to HaKadosh Baruch to give honor and to give respect to Hashem. And if it's not doing that, then there's no function. It should collapse upon itself. Then you have the second Shem Hashem, where Hashem recreates the world, a parallel universe, which looks exactly the same as the first one. But this second act of creation is one which is necessary to allow for tshuva. So Hashem Hashem, Hashem Kodem Achet, Hashem Achet, Hashem creates one world before we sin, and then recreates a whole new universe, a whole new parallel universe, in which tshuva is going to exist, which allows us to get ourselves back to the original Shem Hashem. But one form of tshuva, which we go through, one, one, one mida, one trait of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is to create a whole new parallel universe in order for us to be able to, uh, to do tshuva. Then we say, Hashem Hashem kel rachem v'chanun, erchapayim v'am chesev v'emes, v'otza chesel alafim, v'otza elvam fesha v'chato'a, v'nakei. V'nakei is, means HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to cleanse. What do we mean by cleanse? So cleanse, as we all know, if you have a shirt or you have a pair of pants or you have a dress or a skirt and it gets dirty, you throw it in the washing machine and it becomes, comes out clean. So when you have a, 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 a stain on a garment and you cleanse it, you haven't fundamentally changed the garment. The pair of pants, the skirt are the same pair of pants and skirt that it was before it went in the washing machine. And when you take it out of the washing machine, the only thing that's changed is something superficial. There was something which was on the surface, may have gotten inside of the fibers, but it's something there was dirt, which was taken from outside of the original garment itself. It penetrated into the garment and infiltrated into the garment, made a stain in the garment. And now you wash it and now the, the stain is gone, but the garment hasn't been fundamentally changed. And Afut points out that when we talk about Hashem, 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 after the chait, that changes, it's a world of tshuva, which is changed on a fundamental level. The muhus, the essence of the entire universe has transformed from the first name of Hashem to the second name of Hashem. It's a whole new act of creation. The whole new act of creation, that name of Hashem corresponds to the Baal tshuva. The person also is going to go through this fundamental experience, not merely getting rid of the shmutz, which accumulated from the Averas, but the person who has this transformative moment where they change themselves on a fundamental level, on a core level, down to the very neshama of who they are, that's the type of change which is going to be worthy of the tshuva of the second Shem Hashem. But vinake, the cleansing which Hashem does, that Hashem does for the shav. 
for the person who's going through the motions of tshuva, does harata in vidui in kabbalah alasid, has gone through all of those motions, but hasn't changed on a fundamental level, the most that that person could experience is Hashem will say yes. He's going poseachia He opens up his hands for our tshuva, to accept our tshuva. And with that, he's going to wipe away the stain that the Avera created on the surface of our neshama. But we haven't transformed on a fundamental level. It hasn't been a transformative moment for us. And therefore, it's just v'nakeh. It's a different approach in terms of how Hashem is going to go ahead and accept that tshuva. So we have over here in summary of this, uh, this halachic part is we've got two different models of tshuva. We've got a shav and we've got a bal tshuva. A shav is a person who goes through the motions of tshuva, does it thoroughly, but goes through the motions of the tshuva, but for whom tshuva is not necessarily going to be something which is transformative. It's not necessarily which is going to be ad Hashem alokech. It's not necessarily going to get him all the way to Hashem. On the other hand, you have a person who is the baal tshuva, the person for whom tshuva is now a stepping stone or a springboard to go through a fundamental change of existence. And for such a person who's going to experience this fundamental change, so that requires that requires us to go ahead and reflect very deeply on our behavior in order to identify what it was that was leading us to those sins in the first place. And with that fundamental change, then we could go ahead and we can make that fundamental change. And then we become worthy of that Gosh Baruch Hu is going to be stretches out his hand and it's open for us already to accept the tshuva. He doesn't have to go from a closed fist to an open hand, but the hand is already, his hand is already outstretched, ready to accept us because we've gone through that fundamental change of who we are in our behaviors and therefore become worthy of a much higher level of tshuva. We become worthy of a tshuva, which is reflected by the name of Hashem, creation itself, is what we've done. We've recreated ourselves. That's the Shinoi Maisa, which Rabbi Yitzchak talked about in the Gemara, which the Rambam goes and explains, as opposed to just Vinake, where there's going to be this cleansing and we wash away the Shmutz, which is there, but not necessarily a fundamental change. And therefore, the most that we can accept is that Baruch will take his closed fist and he's going to open it and he'll accept it, but it's not going to uh, impact us on this fundamental core level. And that's something which uh, is, uh, is, uh, is going to be a lower level of, of tshuva. So this ends the halachic part of our, of our discussion. And in the next uh, video, which we send out, so we're going to uh, talk about how one is going to go through the steps, what's going to be the process of this how we're going to be able to reflect and identify those things which need to change on a core fundamental level so that we should all be worthy of that, that the title of being a Baal Tshuva who's going through this transformative experience in our lives of, uh, of what we do.